Hello and welcome to Plotress. This is Lane. And this is Meg. And today we're going to be talking about Project Duchess by Sabrina Jeffries. So this is a new release from June, actually. It took us this long to get it, so it took a, it took a little while for, for this to make its way through the lending library. <laughs> but we finally got it, we read it, and we're going to be reviewing it for you today. So this is the first book in a new series called the Duke Dynasty series. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, okay, before we, uh, and again, the name of this book is Project Duchess. And I will tell you that the name of the next book is The Bachelor. Can I, I, so obviously we've got this reality TV theme going on. Um, In the naming convention. Spoiler alert, the book has absolutely nothing to do with reality TV, with the perception of reality, with putting on a front for society. Like, I, we don't get the connection. Yeah, I really don't get the titles at all here yeah but I mean they're cute they're super cute but I don't I feel like Sabrina Jeffries didn't come up with them I feel like her editor did yeah I'm, I'm interested to see what ends up well it's pretty obvious what's going to tie the mm-hmm. series together we'll get there in a second and it is this familial bond yeah and so taking the reality tv angle just doesn't seem to tie in yeah a little odd but that said <laughs> Uh, Sabrina Jeffrey, so part of the reason we picked this one as our new release for um, July. July, which it should have been June, yes, and we tried to get it in June, but again, just didn't get our acts together to get the book in time. But part of the reason we picked it is because uh, Sabrina Jeffries is one of my favorite authors, so she's a, I will always read her stuff, so whenever it comes out, I, I will read it. She, I will say she used to be a must buy for me, so I did used to buy her books, but recently I haven't been buying them as much. So I can see why. I think this one for me overall was good, but sort of forgettable. Yeah. But, well, let's get into it and you'll find out why. So, as usual, we start with the book jacket. A series of stepfathers in a difficult childhood have left Fletcher Gray Pride, fifth Duke of Greycourt, with a guarded heart enviable wealth, and the undeserved reputation of a rogue. Gray's focus on expanding his dukedom allows him little time to find a wife. But when his mother is widowed yet again and he meets the charmingly unconventional woman managing his stepfather's funeral, he's shocked to discover how much they have in common. Still, Gray isn't interested in love, no matter how pretty or delightfully outspoken the lady. Beatrice Wolfe gave up on romance long ago, and the arrogant Duke of Greycourt with his rakish reputation isn't exactly changing her mind. Then Grey agrees to assist his grief-stricken mother with her latest project, schooling spirited, unfashionable Beatrice for her debut. Now that Beatrice is seeing through Grey's charms to his wounded heart, she's having trouble keeping him at arm's length. But once Grey starts digging into her family's secrets, she must decide whether her loyalties lie with her family or with the man whose lessons capture her heart. I don't think this does a great job of it describing the book. Doesn't. Yeah. So the whole he doesn't have time to find a wife thing. Not. Not true. Not true. Um, she's her family secrets are not actually that real. I mean, she does. She does have some family secrets. She think. I think she thinks her secrets are more damning than they are. I would agree with that. But the big central secret surrounding the brother is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
This is true. It's literally nothing. Yeah, although it does form the big conflict of book. So in that sense, like, it is definitely there. All right. And the whole, they're not schooling Beatrice into being fashionable or less spirited. Yeah. They're, the family is just helping her make her debut because the debut because the other the previous duke didn't exactly it's not yeah. like a she needs to change it's just a you're the granddaughter of a duke you should have made a debut let's yeah. get this together it's not and, some like repression yeah and in fact she gets tutored at the same time as um her cousin so their sister so it's not like they're saying oh you're you're just terrible you don't know anything about society it's like you guys before you got in society you guys need a little bit of polishing and that's it just both of them you know? And they're all the whole family's in mourning because of the death of the current duke, or I guess the last duke, and so they can't go out in society, so they're like filling their time yeah. with these society lessons. It's not some big to-do. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it, so it is, it's obviously a romantic trope to have like the lessons, right? Right. Uh, so that, it didn't, I wasn't offended, it didn't hurt my feelings, like it doesn't bother me. In fact, I like really enjoy, especially like dancing lessons and compartment lessons, like they, because they always end up, you know. <laughs> right, but just the summary makes it seem like yeah. the conflict is he's a man who just hasn't had time for a wife and she's a woman who's too unrefined for yeah. the aristocracy. And that is not the conflict at all. Yeah. All right, well, let's get into it. Um, our randomly generated number this week was 37. So I'll go ahead and start with my summary. As you know in fashion, one day you're in, and the next, you're out. This project, Duchess, will get Beatrice Wolf ready to be out in society. Or at least, that's what Gray wants her to think. Congratulations for the Project Runway references. You're I welcome. really can hear that in Tim Gunn's voice. I really, I was hoping that you could. And I, look, Sabrina Jeffries didn't do it, so I thought I would bring the reality TV to you. I, I think... It at least makes it make a little more sense. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So my 37-word summary is, keep it in the family. What is it, you ask? Suspicion, abuse, marriage, etc. This series is going to be the Habsburg without genetic inbreeding. Beatrice and Grey let their guards down around one another. Love ensues. Yeah. Good. I mean, that's, that is just as good a summary as the book jacket, you know? <laughs> no, I like, it really is. So there's... One thing I want to start with here before we get into the tropes is how confusing the family tree is here. <laughs> because as we talk about these characters and use the term sister or brother, I don't want you to get the impression that this book is about like actual incest. Yeah. No. And of course, so the, the beginning of the book has a family tree, but it's so poorly laid out. The way it's structured makes it look like these the mother of all of these dukes it makes it look like her spouses are her sons. Yeah. So it's really difficult to read. Yeah. So she, I mean, she is the mother of three dukes, but she's the mother of three dukes because she was married to three dukes. Right. So anyway, I mean, we, if you guys read the book, check out the family tree and see if you were as confused as Lane. Um, I didn't spend a lot of time looking at it. Just because I was like, well... I mean, the second I started reading it, it made sense. Because she names her first husband, and I'm like, oh, so that line means marriage. But it looks like children, so it's just very confusing. Like, all they had to do was write a little M on it. Right. And it would have made sense, but... Anyway, or I guess, like, a broken... Don't they have, like, a broken line in an M to show that it was, like, a marriage where she's a widow now? Yeah. Basically, they don't use any of the traditional, like, design elements that indicate different sorts of relationships, so it's just difficult to read. They just did, like, a Microsoft... um, 
um, access um, yeah. uh, the pre-made charts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the other part about this that's confusing is, so she's married to, she's been widowed three times. Mm-hmm. Each of her former husbands was a duke, and her firstborn in all three situations was a man. Yes. Well, I guess technically the second one was a set of twins, one male but. and one woman, but yeah. So she's got three sons who are dukes, and then she's got a daughter who's the twin of one of the dukes, and then a second son to the last child. Yes. And it's the last, clearly, two kids whose father just passed away. Yes. But rather than relying on the family tree and anecdotal conversations to sort of reveal these family relationships, it's all exposited in the first two chapters. Yeah. In a way that is just overwhelming. Yeah. I, I was reading it and I was like, ooh, I like, uh, here's the thing, guys. I used to just read these books. I would just enjoy them, take from them what I liked, and now set set aside what I didn't. But now when I read these books, I think about what Lane is going to think about. <laughs> so, like, I'm reading the first chapter, and I'm thinking, oh, Lane's not going to like that. <laughs> <laughs> so much exposition. So it's like, I shouldn't, it wasn't deterring. Like, it was still an overall enjoyable read. But... This is a setup for a wider series, and the wider series is all of these yeah. children of this one woman through three different fathers. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it is expressed, so he sees his cousin, so his his other cousin, his bride cousin, Vanessa, and basically Vanessa is like, you're not going to go see your mother and your twin, who's this duke, and then your other brother, who's this duke, and then your sister, who's the bro- the sister of this one, you know? Yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah. So the other thing to note about this one before we really dive in, it's really short. It's really short. Which makes all of the exposition that has to happen really difficult. Because yeah. you don't feel like you're diving into the characters because you're too busy like memorizing the lineage. Yeah, exactly. It, it, is, it is pretty short. It's under 200 pages? No, it's, it's under 350. It's yeah. under 300 pages, which, um, especially after reading some 400-page clunkers, I was like, it was a little bit refreshing. I'm going to be honest. Oh, it was refreshing, and I don't think that's a criticism overall, but this is a, this book does a lot of heavy lifting mm-hmm. in a pretty short. Yeah. So it, it, is, it is obvious that it's setting up for the next Yes. The next books. So this one is a little trope heavy. As we discussed, the debut, the the lessons. Mm -hmm. The The lessons. Um, Both the hero and the heroine have tragic, um, traumatic backstories. They were both mistreated by uncles. Yeah, so evil uncles. One of whom is a total perv. One is a total perv, and the other one is a total... It's just a really greedy asshole. Yep. Um, So, I mean, if I... If I had to choose, I would, I would ch- probably choose the greedy one. Although he was pretty evil, he did some like pretty nasty stuff. The greedy one. So also the so the pervy uncle, um, so Beatrice is Beatrice's uncle. He her father died when she was quite young, and she was in a duel in a in a duel over a mistress, not over his wife. So in scandalous circumstances. And she was left as a word to her uncle. And who was a duke. Who was a duke. Well, and actually, she was left as a word of her grandfather. Right. And but then the grandfather then he died. Then passed away, so she ends up with the uncle. Yeah, so she gets passed, passed along to the uncle. So she lives there, and she, she's also forced to work there. So she's like the uh, housekeeper, kind of. When I say forced, it's a very Cinderella-ish. You know? Yeah, but inst- you get the impression that instead of doing the labor of a housekeeper, she's more like the acting lady of the house. Right. Without any of the respect. Yes. And so I saw it 
actually was kind of likening it to like a workplace sexual harassment. Yes. It's like she had to go there in order to live, like to maintain her livelihood. She had to put herself in this situation. And he's handsy yeah. and lewd and sexually aggressive toward her. Yeah. Um, it does not get to the point of rape. Yeah. But it is decidedly disgusting and pervasive and constant. And it is all she thinks about even though he has been dead for like a year. Yeah. I mean, he's it's only been he's only been dead for come to think of it, he has only been dead for a year. Um when this book starts. So I, I maybe less. Maybe even less. 6 months like, maybe? Yeah. So you know what? I I'm, I'm going to give her slightly more credit for that cuz I was like, "Ugh, this this has been going." I was like, "Ugh, can't you get over this?" But you know what? It's like less than a year ago, so I'm going to revise my opinion slightly. It's, get so. over isn't the issue, and we'll talk about this when we get to the sexiness. She can't think of sexual relations with hot boyfriend Gray yeah. without thinking of the pervy uncle. Yeah. Even six encounters with Gray in. Yeah. Like, it is her first thought. Like, even when they finally have sex, she expresses it in her own mind as, I want your hands on me so I can forget about his. And it's yeah. like, oh, that's not a sexy thought. Yeah. Oh, again, again, I'm reading the sex scene. Didn't bother me, and I was like, Lane's gonna hate it. <laughs> like, she's not gonna be able to handle this one. I but. don't mind being predictable, just so everyone knows. Let's see. Uh, what other tropes do we have here? I guess we we have, like... So here's the thing. This family is, like, tight-knit. They love each other, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of, like, weird trauma and, like, weird uh, back and forth between everyone in this family that supposedly loves it, loves each other. Also... Why were they all in Prussia for, like, 20 years? I guess her, so her, the duke that just died, the mother's latest husband, was the ambassador to Prussia throughout the Napoleonic War. War, Okay. And so he partially couldn't return because they were cut off, but also was performing um, diplomatic duty. I just felt like there was a lot of... Prussia discussion. There's a lot of Prussia discussion. Okay. Prussia discussion. Say that like five times. Prussia discussion. Um, this one is, I don't know if this is a trope or just a thing. This is a plot built entirely on misunderstandings. Yeah. From the very beginning, Gray has misunderstandings about the reason he was sent back to England as mm-hmm. a child. Mm-hmm. They have misunderstandings about why they're keeping secrets from each other. Yeah. There's she, a lot of overheard in a ballroom. Oh, overheard. She misunderstands what her brother has done in the past, but she doesn't want to ask him about it. He misunderstands why she's dancing with him. Like, all sorts of misunderstandings. Like, if this book was all these people sitting down in a parlor and just talking for 30 minutes, there would be no plot. Yeah. So, again, this is... Normally, I would hate this. So this is, like, one of my romance pet peeves. I really, really dislike it when they build the plot on the big misunderstanding. In this case, there are, like, 20 million small misunderstandings, and they do get taken care of because the characters do talk to each other. Sooner or later. Sooner rather than later, I would say. Like, they don't let it fester for... In, except in one case. They don't let it fester for more than, like, three or four days. And I will say the ones that fester... I think there's a couple that fester, but they're not between the two main characters. Mm-hmm. No, so yeah, that too. That too. That, I think that does mitigate some of 
my usual issues with this trope is while there are misunderstandings between the main couple, those are the ones that are resolved really quickly. Yeah. The ones with the extenuating family, all right, it, the extended family, it gets a little bit yeah. more eye-rolly. Well, but and, who cares? But here's the thing, too. Like, this, they've got to get those misunderstandings played out over four books. Yeah. So, you know, we can't wrap them all up in the The first major one. mystery in this one is, and this is super early in the text, um, the Duke, whose father just passed, the youngest Duke in the family, believes his father was killed yeah. rather than died accidentally. And you're no closer to discovering what really happened in his death at the end of this book than you were on page one. Mm-mm. Yeah. And I would say this is something that Jeffries does okay. relatively often. Um, it's not as bad as some other authors where like the, the, the plot of the book doesn't get wrapped up and you have to wait for the next one. Uh, but in this one, like the the big mystery, it definitely does not get is it's not going to get solved until the very end. But I'm thinking of her um, Hellions of Stonefield Hall one here, right? Well, you don't know it, but anyway, it starts with the 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 truth about Lawrence Stoneville, and um, that that also involves the murder of a parent, and it gets resolved like after five books. Okay, so um, I'm not going to see the answer to this one without no, reading the whole series. No, okay. No, you're not. And I mean, does, but does it, like, matter to you all that much? No. No, you know. So I, in that case, like, it doesn't bother me that she does that. I like this next point you made with the characters quoting each other. Oh, yeah. They quote So this is something that Jeffries does. I, I've seen it in many, many books. It's like, look. When we're talking, let's say we have a conversation, and then Lane says, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, no, but you just said, it's not like my eyes are blah, blah, blah. Whatever. Like, you do repeat each other in conversation. But what Jeffrey says is she'll actually put it in quotation marks. And, like, it's a great citation, but this is, like, that's not how you actually talk. I thought it was cute and clever in some ways, the way they would, like, spit each other's words back in each other's faces in, like, a sexy argumentative kind of way. Yeah. But it was jarring yeah like the the fact that they do rephrase each other or use each other's words doesn't bother me like that I think that that does happen but the way it's presented is like yes. she's like it's like she literally is like would put a footnote at the bottom to be like see chapter five you know <laughs> for reference but anyway that could be enjoyable yeah let's see um one, oh, so one thing I really did like in this book, so I, one of the romance tropes, we all know that the romance trope is the hero will call the heroine by a different name. Yeah. And usually it's a name that he picks, and sometimes she'll even say, well, I don't like that, don't call me that. So I'm thinking, well, of course in Fifty Shades of Grey, he will not call her Anna, he will call her Anastasia. He won't call, he was like, will not do that. Um, what's another one? Um, I don't know, like, I can think of, I'm reading one right now where he doesn't want to call her by her name, he calls her by this nickname that he picks for her. And, like, she does go along with it, but at the same time, like, it's not her name. In this book, the whole family calls her B, but she tells him, call me Beatrice, and he said, you don't want me to call you B? And she and says, he thinks it's an insult, because he yeah. thinks she's telling him, call me by my formal name, you're not family. Yeah. And instead, she's like, no, she's like, I really hate it when they call me B, but I feel like I can't tell them. And so I liked that he asked her, like, what would you like me to call you? Yeah, and he does also call her sweetheart a lot, but she's really into that, so it's fine. Yeah, doesn't bother me at all. But it's like, this is something that I grew up with a lot, because my name is Margaret, but I go by Meg. And people will call me Megan all the time. All the time. 
because and I there was one person who wrote down Megan and I said no 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 my name is Meg and she said well I'll just put your real name dear I was like well that's not my real name but anyway so I was like I very I felt for Beatrice clearly <laughs> um okay so, offensiveness I think we sort of touched on this basically both of them experienced a lot of abuse as children yeah so she was groped he was a philanderer she was exposed to his sexual dalliances really young he was. He was the ward of an uncle who was after the dukedom mm-hmm. and would effectively torture him yeah. in an attempt to gain access to his money or holdings or power. Yeah. So, and it's not, I don't know if this is a good or a bad thing. In neither case is it a passing reference. No, in both cases that go into it, it's definitely affected them into their adult lives. In his case, even though his, so both of them, the uncles are, are dead. Yes. But in his case, even though the uncle is dead, the the aunt is still around and she is still continuing in some ways the manipulation. Yes, to attempt to control him for sure. So. That, um, that's, and they think about it every single chapter. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, I think and that. I get it. Yeah. I think that if the book were a little longer, that it wouldn't stick out as much. And the fact that the book is shorter. Maybe. You know. I haven't thought about there's, that. There's less other stuff that they think about or talk about you right know, to they, take your mind off of it they both just think about their own torment and how great it is that they can finally be honest with another person about mm-hmm. it which that's a bonding thing but I wish it weren't the bonding right thing. so that's why I'm saying like if there was a little more I think it might have been less jarring yes so okay so but that's that's really all we've got for offensiveness um PTSD yeah offensive I was gonna say like kind of I guess trigger I'm not even trigger warning but her brother Joshua so Joshua Wolf who is again his cousin of one of the Dukes not a cousin of all of the Dukes but cousin of one of the Dukes um went to war was at war for quite a long time and then came home different or damaged uh, you know physically and, and emotionally right and so he he has um, he has PTSD. Again, I'm not familiar enough with it to know like what the symptoms are. If it's handled well, if it's handled poorly, I wasn't offended by its uh, depiction. Same thing. It's not my place to comment on it, but just in the name of warning you guys about anything that could be a trigger warning yeah. for someone, you've got a character with extensive PTSD. Yeah. Okay, sexiness. I actually thought their interactions were pretty sexy, mm-hmm. but I felt like there was more time dedicated to the buildup mm-hmm. than to the actual hookups. And I yeah. don't mean like the conversations. I mean like there's this dance sequence where they're like resting each other's hands on each other's waists and they're holding hands overhead. And just the description of them going through these motions is pages and pages and pages. And then when he finally caves and kisses her, it's really fast. Yeah. Um... I, it didn't, I don't know, it didn't bother me. I, I liked the wrong it. word. I'm just saying, I yeah, could have yeah. used it. Yeah, 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 wouldn't have minded. You know, it was a short book, so <laughs> you can add a few more pages. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for a short book, there were quite a few sexy scenes. Yes. You know, and I think for, like, again, I, it doesn't bother me in any way, shape, or form. I will say, I would have, and this is Meg talking here, um... I wouldn't have minded a little bit more emotional connection before the sexual connection. 
Oh, absolutely. You know? I just, I realized when the beginning of the book was so exposition heavy in terms of the potential murder and their family drama that this just wasn't going to be a book that gave you that. Yeah, it's true. It's like, true. If you're looking for like a deep emotional connection, it's, it's not there. And I would have preferred that as well, mm-hmm. but instead of building up the relationship between the two people in this one, Jeffries really builds up the overall plot and arc of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... I, again, I, I mentioned this already, but, like, I knew that in the scene where they do finally um, have sex go all the way, uh, and she, because, and so on the one hand, he's, it's very consent, like, pro-consent, and he, like, checks in with her at every stage to say, are you sure you want to do this? Like, is this okay? Is this bothering you? Because he does know about her past as well with her uncle at this point. And she's very, she is very sex positive, and then she says, like, yes, I want to do this, I want to do this. The way that it is couched is, like Lane said, more, not more, she does literally say, no, I do want to have sex with you, and it's nothing like that situation with my uncle, that made me feel dirty, you make me feel good, you know, just like very comparative, compare and contrast Yep. in the sex scene. Also, please explain the punctuation cock block. Okay, so there, this, there's a second sex scene that... Um, I think could have been very sexy because it's like, so they're on a ducal estate. It's a humongous estate and they're like woods everywhere. And, and so her uncle's like super well-known for like dalliance, right? So I shouldn't say well-known, I should say notorious. And so he spent all the estate's money building like follies and like little woods and ha-has and all these things, like, basically places around the estate to hook up. Yep, secret pleasure garden, just including reconstructing fake ruins. Yeah. And she knows where they all are because she helped him pay for it. She helped find the money and did the budget. So she knows where they all are. So anyway, she takes their going out. They want to take the long way home for plot reasons. They have to kill some time. Yeah. And she's like, well, why don't we slip into this little folly over here? And um, so it's it's outdoors, like could be slightly exhibitionist. If But it's know. also very cold. <laughs> they it, make it clear it's like wintertime. Yeah. But... but it's, it's so anyway, this could have been like really sexy, but then I swear to God, like halfway through this sex scene, and I'm like halfway through. Is this is like coitus interrupt us by a chapter break? There's a chapter break, like in the middle of the sex scene, and I'm not talking about like a, they kiss and then there's a new chapter. It's like they're halfway through the act, and then there's a new chapter that's that picks up. Immediately, where and the other one's thinking, like, did something happen to alter the plot in that moment? No. no. So I was like, this is a punctuation cock block for me, you know? It was very jarring. It, <laughs> it honestly weird. really was because at that point, the plot has sort of resolved, the main conflict between the two of them is resolved. Yeah. There's still some, like, outstanding wider plot stuff to be wrapped up. But so they've, like, Fixed all their misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. They're good. They're like, to kill time, let's have sex in this weird alcove. Yeah. And then just in the middle of it, it breaks. It's There is no plot-related reason for this. No, it's it's just very weird. Um, I, like Lane said, I wouldn't mind a little more. And don't, don't um, end your chapter in the middle of the sex scene. Because it could have been a sexy scene, and that was just really weird. Yeah. But all in all, uh, nothing to disrecommend the book. Uh, it wasn't offensive. It was, it, there were some fun parts in it. I wouldn't say the whole thing was fun, but there were some really fun scenes there in general. So we described the family of 
mother married three dukes and then is mother to three dukes. This could be the setup to like hilarious hijinks. And that's not what they set it up for. So a little disappointed in that. I think some of the other characters did have a little bit more promise mm, yeah. than Fletcher does. Oh, also, here's, just to go back to the naming thing, because this is absolutely the note I want to end on. All of the Dukes, all of her children, in fact, are named after playwrights, yeah. or her only daughter is named after Nell Gwynn, yeah. which I died at that. I laughed yeah. really hard. Well, they were Afra, Afrobane, but she didn't. She named her after... A mistress. So yeah. Well, actress slash mistress, but yeah. She had, like, 15 kids by the king. Yeah. Like, a million kids. Anyway. Nell Gwynn, not Nell the Gwyn. character. No, yeah, yeah, no, not, not Gwynn. But so, uh, some of the other characters seem a little more fun, but anyway, they're all named after playwrights. Like, make that the naming convention yeah. of the series. Like, yes. you've got something tied in that, yes. like, binds all these weird children. Yeah. Like, do plays on the names of the plays written by the yeah. authors they're named after. Oh, like, good point, Lane. There was a very obvious naming convention for these books, and they just randomly went with reality TV, and yeah. that, to me, is the most unforgivable sin I don't get this the re- book. I don't get the reality TV part, but... Anyway, thank you so much for listening, as always. This was really fun. I, you know, even if the book wasn't, like, the best, I had a really good time talking about it with you. Well, and it was a, such a quick read. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's, it's worth your time, if only because it'll take, like, two hours. Yeah. Knock it out. And you never know, the next ones in the series could be, like... There's promise here. Yeah. There's definitely yeah, promise definitely here. promise. So, as always, if you could rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be with you soon. Thanks.